0: Welcome to Hygieia, a clean podcast. I originally wanted to talk about anxiety because I've been listening to some lessons by a sports psychologist. So I bought his book, of course I did, called Mind of the Athlete, Clear Mind, Better Performance. And he's got some really good tips in there, and I just, I think there's a lot of good stuff about how the mind works. So this might be a few few part lesson, stand by. Lately, I've been listening to Dr. Jared Spencer on iFit series on anxiety, and he talks about different kinds of anxiety, including a pandemic anxiety. He talks about the root causes of anxiety and tips on how to deal with them. But I actually decided to buy his book because I thought it was easier to read the book than try to walk on the treadmill and take notes. While the book does talk about anxiety, he also tells us how the mind works. And I thought this would be a good lead-in for a later episode on anxiety. While Mindy the Athlete is geared towards improving athletic performance by unclouding your mind. He does talk about the stigma that can be attached to admitting that you have fear, anxiety, or depression either to yourself or others. He says showing signs of fear, depression, or anxiety can be viewed as a sign of weakness. However, real strength is being able to work through these emotions in a positive and proactive way. Sure, suck it up is a good technique. But if that is your primary way to cope with stress, it is grossly insufficient. One of my high school classmates and his wife wrote a book called When Love is Angry, a memoir from the other side of mental illness. And in it, he talks about how he dealt with his wife's emotional issues. He just always played it off as, you know, the time of the month or or whatever, and it was her fault and he didn't want her to seek counseling he didn't think she needed it um, or medication and yet as time went on he realized that it was a real issue so we can be dealing with people that have these kind of issues and they can be you know serious medical issues So Dr. Jared in his book it has Three sections. The first one is about the pre-conscious mind, which is one of three parts of your subconscious mind and how it's often clouded with unprocessed thoughts, concerns, and other material. And he's going to help us learn how to clear our mind. Part two is clearing the hurdles. There are five hurdles you face when you try to function with a clouded, flooded pre-conscious mind. Part three is relief from the flood. So he gives us five practical, effective strategies for processing the thoughts that flood your mind constantly, even at night. To describe the mind, he gives an iceberg analogy. Everything above the waterline is the conscious mind. It represents only 10% of the iceberg. The other 90% of the iceberg is the subconscious mind. The waterline represents psychological defenses which are the mind's ability to block content in the subconscious mind from reaching the conscious mind. This allows you to better concentrate on whatever requires your focus at the moment. Things like denial, compartmentalization, and repression. Psychological defenses function as protection in certain ways. Some others are intellectualism, rationalization, or reaction formation. Knowledge and education can also offer strong psychological defenses. The conscious mind includes things you are aware of, noises, words, your reading, etc. You live in a culture that constantly tries to capture the attention of your conscious mind. Each day you quickly rush from one external, external stimuli to another, rushing to get ready for school, moving from class to class, going to practice, eating dinner, studying, and watching television. In the quieter moments between the rushing, you likely engage your conscious mind by looking at your phone. A recent study in the Journal of Behavioral Addictions stated that female college students spend up to 10 hours a day on their phone and males spend nearly 8 hours a day on their phone. That's a lot of time to be on a phone. I wonder how much worse it is now since since the pandemic. The subconscious mind is below the waterline of the iceberg. It has three levels, the preconscious mind, the ex-conscious mind, and the unconscious mind. In the unconscious mind, it stores many past experiences that are either too threatening, too emotionally charged, or seemingly not needed for you to excel or thrive. You can bring them to your awareness. It just takes time. The ex conscious mind, which is a term that Dr. Spencer actually coined himself, is where your mind puts outdated or less useful memories. The pre conscious mind is the most important in achieving high performance. This is the place in your mind where memories are stored that you can recall easily. But are outside of your immediate awareness. As you go through your day, you are continually processing new information through your conscious mind, and it ends up in your preconscious mind. Located in your preconscious mind are all the things that happen to you that you are not currently dealing with. There is often more content in your preconscious mind than you realize. You become more aware of what is in your preconscious mind when the busyness of life slows down and your conscious mind takes a break. You become more aware of what is in your preconscious mind when you are putting your head on the pillow and trying to fall asleep. And I know I'm not the only one that has had many nights where you can't shut your brain off. Dr. Spencer continues. One important characteristic of the preconscious mind is that time does not have any meaning there. You may have memories in your preconscious mind from several years ago. Such memories are often traumatic. The feelings from an event may be quite intense as soon as you think about it. It may have occurred years ago, but to you it feels like yesterday. And I'm assuming this is something to do with you know, things like PTSD or some kind of You know, abuse as a child. When the pre-conscious mind is clearer, productivity increases. Focus becomes sharper and your energy level is heightened. Your mood tends to be more consistent and more positive. I can imagine that getting all that junk out from past uh, traumas can be quite freeing. We'll learn what can cloud our preconscious mind in a minute. Stand by. Thanks for coming back. So, Dr. Spencer says that there are four things that cloud your preconscious mind. They are all negative emotions that we all struggle with anger depression, hate, and anxiety. The stronger these emotions are, the more time you are likely to spend thinking about life experiences that led to your feeling these emotions. These negative emotions also have a way of draining our energy quickly. You may be physically in good shape, but emotionally drained. It is important to be able to understand these emotions so that you can manage them more effectively. Number one, anger is emotional hurt. Number two, depression is hurt held inward. According to the American Psychiatric Association, women are nearly twice as likely as men to develop depression, anxiety, and eating disorders. Number three, hate is feeling threatened by something. A hazing and bullying would fall into that category. Number four, anxiety is fear of the unknown. When there are unknowns in your life, it is normal and natural to feel worried. Such unknowns can bring about symptoms of restlessness, insomnia, increased heart rate, fear, dry mouth, butterflies in your stomach, and sweating. The reality is you will always feel these emotions in life, but the goal is to manage them better so that you can decrease the frequency, duration, and intensity of their presence in your mind. A flooded preconscious mind is the root cause of your stress. When your preconscious mind is flooded, you want to release the tension you're feeling in your mind and body. Some positive ways are talking, exercising, or sleeping. There is a counterproductive way, using drugs and alcohol using drugs or alcohol is a way many athletes self-medicate their feelings. And especially with the pandemic, you know, we've seen cases of suicides and overdoses skyrocket because this is the way people have chosen to deal with the stress in their life. According to the CDC, Alcohol is responsible for more than 4,300 deaths each year among underage youth. Even though drinking is illegal for people under the age of 21, people aged 12 to 20 years drink 11% of all alcohol consumed in the United States, and more than 90% of this alcohol is consumed in the form of binge drinks. On average, underage drinkers consume more drinks per drinking occasion than adult drinkers. And this is a study from 2014. As for drugs, by the 12th grade, about half of adolescents have abused an illicit drug at least once. The most commonly used drug is marijuana, but teens can find many often abused substances such as prescription medication glues and aerosols in the home. Just a reminder, his book is geared towards athletes. He says a June 2015 Sports Illustrated article highlighted a vicious pattern developing within sports. There is an increasing number of athletes playing sports year-round who are experiencing intense emotional pressure combined with serious overuse injuries that require medical attention. The pre- prescribed painkillers that doctors give to athletes following surgeries are leading to more athletes be- to become addicted. To cope with the pain after the prescriptions have run out, many athletes are abusing painkillers and using them as recreational drugs. Because, But because the drugs are expensive, they often turn to a cheaper drug, heroin. Heroin use is a devastating path that is destroying life of athletes at an alarming rate. According to the U.S. Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, 80% of all users arrive at heroin after abusing opioid painkillers, such as Oxycontin, Percocet, and Vicodin. While opioid painkillers can cost up to $30 per pill on the black market, heroin, which is molecularly similar, can be purchased for $5 a bag and produces a more potent high. These statistics are pretty staggering and pretty sad. If you know somebody that has addiction problems, or if you yourself have addiction problems, please try to get help. Your life is worth so much more and there are better ways to cope with the stress and pressure that you're under. We'll be back after this. A lot of people these days are interested in making healthy lifestyle changes and disease prevention. What if there was something that could support your immune system, lower cholesterol, and improve your overall health? Check out my website, dvaughan.reliv.com. See what we have to offer. of this book is about clearing the hurdles. So there are five negative results that occur from a flooded pre-conscious mind. The first one is insomnia. It says your life is a reflection of how you sleep and how you sleep is a reflection of your life. Dr. Raphael Paleo, MD, Sleep Specialist, Stanford Center for Sleep Sciences and Medicine. First hurdle is insomnia, which the National Library of Medicine defines as trouble falling asleep or staying asleep through the night. Episodes may come and go and last for short periods of time or be long-lasting. Sleep onset insomnia occurs when a person experiences difficulty falling asleep. Sleep maintenance insomnia occurs when after having been asleep, a person wakens and is unable to return to sound sleep. Insomnia is characterized by tossing and turning and thinking about things when you want to be sleeping. It has become a major concern for both high school and college athletes, and I would dare say many adults. He goes on to say, sleep deprivation erodes even the most developed minds. Many people's minds are overloaded at night because their days are often spent rushing from task to task, leaving no vital time to process their thoughts. As a result, when we lay down at night, we begin thinking about all the thoughts that we didn't process during the day. Has this ever happened to you? The preconscious mind simply cannot process thoughts as effectively in such an active environment which is often from 6 a.m. until 11 p.m. This information builds up in the preconscious mind, causing it to become more and more flooded. When you finally lay down at night and try to fall asleep, you can't because your conscious mind is bombarded by all the day's information from the preconscious mind. Sleep is vital because it provides time for the conscious mind to shut down and allow the preconscious mind to go to work. Your preconscious mind uses sleep to clear out what is in it. Think of this as organizing your computer desktop. The preconscious mind reveals all the thoughts you had during the day and tries to examine your thoughts, file them away. And keep them properly organized in more specific folders deep within your fling system. When you wake up in the morning after a good night's sleep, it can be like seeing the desktop of your computer clear, organized, and with an inspiring image in the background once again. Here are seven ways, he says, to combat insomnia. One, keep a consistent sleep schedule, go to bed each night at the same time, and wake up at the same time. Two, Keep a one-hour pre-sleep routine. An hour before your ideal sleep time, begin to ramp down your brain. Turn off all electronics. Do not look at your phone. Do not play video games. Do not watch a movie or a game on TV. Stop studying. Take a bath or shower. Get into your pajamas. Have a light snack. Dim the lights. Read for pleasure. Talk about your day with a family member or roommate. Spend time in quiet prayer. As your brain activity slows down, this way you are more likely to drift off to sleep when you actually put your head on the pillow. Number three, if you experience sleep maintenance insomnia, do not get out of bed. Although it may be annoying to lie there thinking about your stressors, it is better to stay in bed. The reason is that once you get up and engage your brain in activity, it is less likely that you will be able to fall back asleep at all for the rest of the night. The next day, your performance will be significantly compromised. Instead, if you can stay in your bed, you are in a better position to catch another wave of sleepiness that will wash over you and help you go back to sleep. This wave may take one or two hours to come, but at least you will get back to sleep. Number four, take out the mental trash. Talk, write, and pray about the thoughts running through your preconscious mind. The more you process them before lying down, the less likely you are to spend time thinking about them while your head is on the pillow. Do not sleep with your phone in your bedroom. And don't look at it once you start your pre-sleep routine. Like many of your friends, it is likely that you sleep with your phone in your room, maybe even in your bed. It is also likely that you are looking at it throughout the night. This is contributing to insomnia because the blue light these electronics emit actually suppresses melatonin. The chemical chemical in your brain that helps you fall asleep. Looking at your phone is like taking an anti-melatonin or anti-sleeping pill. Keep a pen and notepad in your nightstand. When you experience sleep maintenance insomnia, write down the thoughts you're having. The next day, make it a priority to resolve those issues so that you don't rob, so they don't rob you of your sleep again. If you don't write them down, it may be possible that you will know you had insomnia, but be unable to clearly recall what you spent so much time thinking about. These emotionally charged, unresolved conflicts in your preconscious mind need your conscious attention, preferably during your waking hours. 7. Identify the most beautiful place in the world you can think of. When insomnia occurs, imagine yourself in this place. Your thoughts may keep racing back to your stressors, but keep battling to shift your thoughts back to this place of relaxation, safety, and serenity. Focus your attention on the sights, sounds, smells, tastes, and feels of this place. The more you can engage yourself in this imagery exercise, the more it will help you stay relaxed. I don't know, maybe playing my podcast before you go to bed might help you fall asleep sooner too. The second hurdle is performance anxiety. So, according to Medical News Today, anxiety is a general term for several disorders that cause nervousness, fear, apprehension, and worry. These disorders affect how we feel and behave and can manifest as real physical symptoms. Mild anxiety is vague and unsettling, while severe anxiety can be extremely debilitating and have a serious impact on daily life. When the preconscious mind is flooded, it triggers your body's natural stress responses. It may not be one large stressor in your preconscious mind, but rather the culmination of many smaller ones adding up enough to activate your fight or flight response. Because anxiety can be defined as fear of the unknown, it is understandable why you feel stressed. There are so many unknowns in your life. You, you may not realize just how much you've been keeping in your preconscious mind. The mind-body connection doesn't distinguish well between, well, the difference between real physical threats to our existence and mental stressors that we magnify so they feel threatening. When a preconscious mind reaches a level where it is so flooded that it cannot handle much more, the symptoms of anxiety you feel can reach a level of an anxiety attack. Here he goes on to talk about how to deal with that anxiety, which I'm going to save for another episode. The third hurdle is low emotional energy. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. Vince Lombardi, former head coach, Green Bay Packers. So, a third hurdle resulting from a, flo- a flooded preconscious mind and likely to affect performance is a low energy level. Just specifically, a low emotional energy level. Emotional energy is your psychological capacity to effectively deal with the immediate stressors in your life. Your emotional energy level can be compared to the water inside a bottle. Every morning when you wake up, you have a certain amount of emotional energy that you can apply to all the activities filling that day. As you go through the day, you become drained. Little by little, you use up your emotional energy and the bottle empties. When you're not aware of low emotional energy level, you can present yourself as less than you really are. Negative aspects of your character may surface, and you are more likely to exercise poor judgment in some situations. Relationships may fracture, and you may react in ways you normally would not. This is another reason it is important to recognize times of low emotional energy. Hurdle number four is misguided tensions. You don't have to look very far in the sports world to discover that athletes often release tension in unhealthy ways. Some of the most common misguided tensions include sex, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, gambling, fighting, and overeating. Can you think of somebody, perhaps even yourself, who has released tension in a misguided way? It probably caused regret and maybe shame. It was likely out of character and you or the other person never really understood why you acted that way. It is likely that the preconscious mind was flooded and defenses became worn down. The emotional charge from inside has to come out some way, and it was released in an unhealthy way. The culture around you may even encourage you to party on Saturday night to let off some steam by drinking alcohol. This is always a risky decision. Tension may get released in a misguided way. Dion Sanders had it all, or so the world thought. He was one of the greatest athletes of all time. Not many people are able to excel in both professional football and professional baseball. That is, however, exactly what Deion Sanders did. He thrived in both sports. He had contracts worth huge amounts of money, incredible fame, and expansive notoriety. In his book, Power, Sex, and Money, How Success Almost Ruined My Life, Sanders discussed how his contracts, money, and fame did not fill him up. One night, he experienced an evening of great despair and felt very empty inside. While out for a drive in one of his many sports cars, he thought about suicide. He considered driving his car off a cliff. He wanted out. What he wanted out of most of all was not his life, but feeling empty and lost. The world thought he had it all, but he felt empty inside. No amount of sex, drugs, food, violence, success, or money could fill him up. How could this be possible? Blaise Pascal, a well-known French mathematician, physicist, inventor, writer, and Christian philosopher, called it the God-shaped hole in your, in your heart. This philosophy, philosophy explains that there is a part of your heart that can be filled only by a relationship with God. Dion Sanders said, I had nowhere else to turn at that moment, but I reached out to God. This was the defining moment of his life. From there, God entered his life with one of his many promises, which declares If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. In that moment, Sanders' life changed. He grew dramatically as a person, father, husband, and athlete. Before that time, Sanders had been engaged in misguided tensions. He was trying to break his internal tension with the common behaviors that our culture often tells us will work. However, those ways do not often work. They alleviate tensions temporarily. Following the temporary relief, you wake up as empty as ever, or in some cases, worse than ever. Misguided tensions often result from a flooded preconscious mind. The preconscious mind is the back burner where those things you haven't addressed yet are stored. When the preconscious mind is flooded, it creates tension. Imagine the soda can again. When you shake it up, the pressure builds and the can becomes agitated, similar to the human body. Emotional stress is manifested in physical symptoms. Necks get tight, stomachs ache, and back injuries flare up. Built-up internal tension must be released in some way. You need a better outlet to let out the tension in a healthier way. One of the very best ways for you to let out the tension is by developing a hobby. By regularly pursuing a hobby, you will positively and proactively alleviate tension in your pre-conscious mind. The fifth hurdle is loneliness. People are more technologically connected, but more emotionally disconnected than ever. One indicator of this emotional disconnect is today's hookup culture. There once was a time when adolescents dated each other. Today, dating is much rarer. One definition of dating is getting to know another person, and then there is sexual interaction. Hooking up is defined as having a sexual interaction, and then you may, or more likely may not, get to know the person emotionally. Research shows that students involved with this prevailing hookup culture have more depression. According to one multi-campus study, college students who engage in more hookups, casual sex with someone they had known for less than a week, had greater psychological distress. Those who had recently engaged in casual sex reported lower levels of self-esteem, life satisfaction, and happiness compared with those who had not had casual sex in the previous month. And students who recently engaged in hookups had higher distress scores as indicated by levels of depression and anxiety. I read a quote from an anonymous person that said, A relationship with no trust is like a cell phone with no service. All you can do is play games. It is likely that you, too, are tired of people playing games and instead want want more meaningful relationships. If you are struggling with symptoms of loneliness and or depression, I want you to know that there is help and hope. There are people out there who have dedicated their lives to counseling. Across the country, there are thousands of counselors, therapists, psychologists, and coaches ready to talk with you. Break through the stereotype that talking with a professional is a sign of weakness. Four ways to manage loneliness better. One, know that you're not alone. Two, list some key people who you you can connect with. Three, learn the symptoms of depression. Four, schedule an appointment with a counselor. Go online to find a counselor in your area. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode. I hope there were some good tips for you in there. If you or someone you know is suffering with any of these uh, hurdles or need some tips for anxiety, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care.